This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Clagan, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett with Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights and everything else, right? <laughs> I mean, we, Stop. Let's just keep adding to your title. No, I that's think. okay. I'm, I, I don't want to compete with the university titles. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you, you've got a ways to go before you get to some of these UNC folks. I think, uh, I think so. Yeah, you're, you're in good shape. Well, Nicole, right up at the top, I know we've got uh, a, a bunch of guests that we need to get to this evening. We do. But uh, we've got some updates on the, uh, the, the schedule for the Caregiver Summits. You know, we do. Um, uh, we've been talking all uh, year long about how we're bookending the month of October with the Harnett County Summit at the beginning and the Raleigh Summit at the end. But unfortunately, due to the lasting impacts of Hurricane Florence, we actually had to postpone the Harnett Summit. So the Harnett Summit that was actually scheduled to be held earlier this week was actually moved to December 12th. At the same location, same times. Uh, folks can get uh, information about all the details on the Caregiver Summit website at caregiversummit.org. But our attendance was actually down by 75% because some folks in you know, Harnett County really were impacted by the flooding, the long-lasting flooding, and um, the event proved to be a great distraction. And so instead of making people stress out about finding a location to place their loved ones for the day and trying to get out to an event that they paid for. We just went ahead and moved it. So our partner, Campbell University, is wonderful about giving us a new date. And I think by December, we should be in better shape to hold that summit for sure. Well, caregiving is, is stressful enough. So uh, yeah. let's not stress people out more with one of these events uh, under uh, not as ideal circumstances. So again, plenty of information. If you are still interested in going to the Harnett Summit, you can find that at caregiversummit.org. Org, caregiversummit.org. But the Raleigh Summit is still kicking That's along right. just great, and our attendance is literally rocking and rolling. We are sold out of exhibitor and sponsor spaces, um, and we have room still for caregiver attendees, so we really encourage folks to get on board and register. Uh, we sell out that event every single year with 504 people attending, so that's by far our largest summit of the year, and um, this is our 10th anniversary, so we're super excited. Awesome. Get on board now, register for Raleigh, and if the new Harnett date works for you. Register for that one as well, caregiversummit.org. Well, Nicole, uh, you know, we're, we're preparing for these caregiver summits because mm-hmm. they're a lot of work, and we also need to prepare for caregiving because at some point that's going to affect uh, our lives in, in some shape or fashion. And, you know, it's one thing when you're thrown into a, a healthcare crisis or a, a long-term care situation to not be prepared. And, um, you know, th- this is just a common theme that we go through, that the preparation and understanding your options go a long way if you do that in advance. They sure do, you know, and I'm really excited about the um, sort of the smorgasbord of guests we have here today (laughs) talking about um, both assisted living and then also family care homes because I think there's a lot of confusion about exactly what assisted living and family care homes can provide an individual in the community. Um, I think folks really don't know what they don't know, and typically, you know, even people listening today, you might think of residential care as nursing home care, but there really is a continuum of care. And even within these types of levels of care, there's a continuum within a continuum. (laughs) And uh, hopefully our first guest here today is going to help us understand a little bit more about assisted living communities. We have with us uh, Mark Foreman. He's the executive director of Caroline Assisted Living of Wake Forest. And I'm really excited. He is somebody who has been in the industry for quite some time. I'm not going to call him old, 
old, but he has a lot of experience, and I think he's really going to light the way on um, really what we can expect from assisted livings in our community. Welcome, Mark. Good evening. Yeah, so um, you know, you have been an executive director, administrator of assisted living communities for quite some time now. How long have you been doing this line of work? About thirty years, to believe it or not. Wow, that is yes. a long time. So, yes. so wow, you don't look it. You yeah. don't look stressed. Yes. You don't yes. look gray. It's the you look cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking good, and you're still passionate about what you do for sure. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what an assisted living level of care is for those listening who may not know. An assisted living level of care should be a supportive environment to address what are called the activities of daily living. The activities of daily living are what you and I do each and every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, preparing ourselves for the morning, mm-hmm. choosing something to eat for ideally breakfast, lunch, or dinner, mm-hmm. any medication support that might be within our daily regimen, and uh, activities and socialization throughout the day. So there is a sort of a baseline level that assisted livings are supposed to provide individuals, correct? That is correct. And so, and then from there, um, from what I've noticed, at least in our industry, you know, organizations just depending on what they want to specialize in, sometimes provide a little bit more support and sometimes provide a little bit less support, but everyone has to meet a minimum standard. They do from the state guidelines. Absolutely. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, what... If, if, if somebody was at home today and they're thinking about their loved one um, and they're starting to need some support, when is the ideal time for a person to start thinking about assisted living? My ideal answer is before they actually need it. So that would be today. That would be today. <laughs> that would be today, truly <laughs> enough. Uh, we don't know what tomorrow brings. Mm-hmm. We don't know what our health care changes may be. It mm-hmm. could be as simple as a slip or a fall that changes that world of a perfect today. Mm-hmm. So are there any particular sort of diagnoses that make it more likely that a person's going to need an assisted living at some point? Wow, that's that's a large question. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would go as much as diagnosis other than what is going to be a more obvious dementia or Alzheimer's because assisted livings and family care homes can be more the social side. If somebody's lonely, if somebody's depressed, if somebody doesn't feel as socialized within their personal world, that's a good beginning step to look at assisted living. So throughout your career, I can well imagine um, you have seen, and I know I have myself, uh, starting off, I started working out in the nursing home level of care. Really, the face of the individual that is in these levels of care has greatly changed. I often say, you know, folks in the hospital, you have to be super acutely ill to be there, where before you might have seen people that were almost nursing home level um, today in the hospital, correct? That is true. So what are you finding uh, as far as, you know, what does a person look like who typically needs assisted living as far as some of their needs? Well, as you mentioned already, um, I actually have a nursing home background as well. That's that's the field that I began with after Mm -hmm. hospitality and assisted living. Those that used to be in the nursing home uh, are more the hospital level care Mm -hmm. person. The assisted living is almost the person that used to be in a nursing home or rehabilitative center. And those that are in the independent living are somewhat to the direction of the dementia sometimes, in addition to uh, sort of the early on concept of assisted living. What are we finding? We're finding persons that are physically less stable to ambulate, those that are not receiving the medication administration support that they should. Not to say that that's directly back to the family, but everybody says, yes, I'm doing everything I need to do. Yes, I'm bathing the way I need to do it, and I'm doing that safely. Mm-hmm. Until you go into someone's home and you recognize the, the areas that they're co- may potentially be compromised. Yeah. 
So I think that folks that are listening right now, um, you know, if, if they haven't been into a long-term care community, as we like to call them, and a lot of times people call them facilities, like that's what the layperson calls it, but we, we like to refer to them as communities. I think people have a view of a very sterile environment where everybody's sort of slumped over in their chairs and there's no stimulation going on and the food looks kind of like what you might have had in high school, you know, just sort of a, a scoop of this and that on a tray. Talk to us a little bit about how the environment has changed over the last 30 years and what people might expect today if they were to take a tour and place their loved one. I would agree with you in saying that the original environments of the healthcare definitely are more the cinder block settings, the how many levels of paint, how many layers of wallpaper that you could put in place. Now they're more personalized. They're more the structured and featured around meeting the residents where they are, um, finding out what the activity structure should be instead of just a generic basic calendar. Actually, external events could be as simple as going to the movies, out shopping as a group. The residents, as you mentioned, quote, slumped over. Uh, I think medication review is so much more important now of, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, where it used to be, where if somebody's being sedated so that they don't stand up and they don't ambulate, then that's actually a deeper compromise, creates skin breakdowns and a variety of other angles. The good news is they're much more pleasant in appearance. They're much more social. They're much more intrigued. The community is participating more from a volunteering standpoint, young mm-hmm. people, middle people, older persons. Uh, I think the stigma, unfortunately, still is, um, I don't want to be around those old people, mm-hmm. even when that person's 95. Oh, I know. They're, not, they're still not ready. So the thing that I think that we need to take away for sure is that, you know, your loved one will never feel probably ready to move. And, 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 I, and I hear this, you know, all the time that my, my mom says she's not quite ready yet and she's 93 years old and a half years old. So really, as you were saying, being proactive is definitely key. Yeah, it certainly is. Our guest this evening is Mark Foreman, and we will continue our conversation all about assisted living right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you want to find out more about Transitions Life Care, you can go to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. You can also go to caregiversummit.org, and that's where you can find information about the rescheduled Harnett County Caregiver Summit. Caregiversummit.org is where you can go for that. We've got Mark Foreman here in the studio. He is the executive director with Care. Carolon Assisted Living, and I'm Jason Kong with Nicole Cleggett, and uh, that's the topic, assisted living right now, Nicole, and uh, we, we need to dive right back into it. You know, we do. There's so much to cover here in such a little time, um, but I want to make sure that we also give some folks listening today tips on how to actually pick out an assisted living. I alluded to the fact earlier in the segments uh, that not every assisted living is the same, and so what do you recommend people do when they're starting to take that tour process? You know, let's, let's just say that these people that you're working with are sort of in that proactive mode versus crisis driven. You know, what are some of the things that people should be looking for and, and what kinds of questions should they be asking when they start touring the assisted living communities near them? I think any location or friend that you meet, you're going to assess what is around you mm-hmm. as you're walking around, how the residents look, how the, the meal smells, how the, how are the residents dressed? How are their, how are their mannerisms? How are the care staff? Uh, as simple as do they take pride in wearing their name tag? Do they have pride in wearing 
the appropriate uniform or, or clothing that it should be? Are they greeting and meeting with the residents? Um, as persons are walking up and down the hall, uh, what's their method to meet those residents' particular needs when they request, or how are we trying to assess those uh, those needs ahead of time? And as far as um, people often say, use your five senses when you walk into a building. How, what would you recommend related to that? Well, uh, as we know from a hospital setting or sometimes a nursing home or skilled setting, um, there's body odors that may be present. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's different levels or layers for that. Um, we all have um, circumstances on a daily basis that we may create something ourselves. But if it's long-lived, that's a concern. Um, if you recognize that people are incontinent and not able to maintain their bowel or the bladder and the care staff is not attentive to that, that would offer me a concern. Um, not being able to locate actual any care staff or supportive staff or management staff, I would want the opportunity to meet the leader of that particular location, uh, whether that's through the resident care team and or truly the operation side of it. And I think another piece of this, too, is, you know, and you may hit me over the head with a block right now, but, um, you know, trying to go during some of the off shifts as well, you know, trying not to pop in during a time when all the managerial staff are there. Because sometimes, you know, during the 3 to 11 shift or on the weekend, you get a, a sense of how things are without, you know, the people who are running the organization being present. I think there are always opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that you always will see somebody physically present because if if the goal is to be providing personal care, person's just sitting and hovering at a desk just to meet and greet, we want to recognize where they may be and how they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I would always visit a, a location more than one physical time. Mm-hmm. Would I choose probably a different time? Yes. I think that, you know, whatever that constraint works within yourself, I think that's always healthy. Definitely, definitely. And I also think it's really important for folks to walk into these places trying to walk in your loved one's shoes versus where you would feel comfortable, what makes you comfortable. That is so important. You know, I, I talk with family caregivers all the time, and, you know, some of the shiny new buildings are great. They've got granite countertops and everything is super beautiful. But maybe they don't provide care along the continuum far enough for what the disease trajectory that your loved one has. So your loved one may be placed there, and then four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, three months later, they might say, we can't take care of you here anymore. You need to move again. So I think it's super important to find out what the tiers of care are and what things that your loved one may face that may require a discharge. I think that is really important to be informed in that. I do agree. Uh, I think also it's a very, very important that somebody recognizes what allows me to stay here, not what disqualifies me, mm-hmm. what support services are in place, physical, occupational, speech therapy, what home health, medical support mm-hmm. may be additionally. Each location may afford themselves a little bit of a different approach yep. to what that may be. So I, I do think it's important to be very, very honest. Um, and that's that's key. Honesty to be honest, key. Yes. honest at the door of what you anticipate the care needs are. I wouldn't be shy to the fact of what, I wouldn't be scared, I wouldn't be shy to the fact of what care support needs are. You'd be amazed as to finding out what supports are out there that can make that successful. As with anything, if we don't know about it, we can't be successful. That is so true. And I I often talk to families, you know, a lot of times people are embarrassed. My loved one, let's just talk about Alzheimer's dementia. My loved one's swearing or they're inappropriately laughing or maybe they're um, inappropriately reaching out and trying to touch people of the opposite sex or the same sex in an inappropriate way. Or maybe they're combative and maybe they're wandering. And so sometimes people get so desperate about wanting to place them because they can't handle the behaviors anymore that they kind of 
just make it look rosy to get that person admitted. And then what ends up happening sometimes is you have an inappropriate placement and then that person may be at risk to themselves or others and that place can't keep them anymore. Or, or, you know, or, you know, requires you to bring in an additional home care supports that increases the expense. And so it is so important to be honest about what's going on with your loved ones so that you can place them the best that you can. Otherwise, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of intervention, and it'll be a much bigger headache down the road if you don't have an appropriate placement. You can help with an intervention if you know about the situation. Um, because dementia and Alzheimer's at times is unpredictable. There are going to be those moments, mm-hmm. but they're learning moments, redirection moments, uh, as simple as somebody, again, touching. Uh, you know, I, I go back to an example that was a few years back, and uh, there was a little lady who was a traditional, I, I'm the little church lady. Yeah. I don't do anything. And this person happened to extend their hands out to one of the caregivers that happened to be a gentleman. And the family was mortified to that experience. Mm-hmm. And I said, your mom was only with one person. Yeah. This person's providing support in the bathroom. She sees that as a personal experience, not an inappropriate approach. Right. So as we as we bring those situations forward, it you know maybe a caregiver could redirect themselves in a slightly different way, but uh, they're not always quote inappropriate behaviors. Right. It, it's the situation of where they find themselves. Where and our ideal is, I think across the board in healthcare, of meeting somebody where they are. Definitely. That's super key. So let's talk about money. Now, I know, you know, a lot of people believe that Medicare pays for everything, but frankly, it doesn't when it comes to long-term care. How are assisted livings typically paid for, and what can you expect sort of the range of expense to be um, throughout the continuum for assisted living? So just to state the record for sure, Medicare does not recognize any part of assisted living. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a program by the name of Medicaid, but not everybody may participate with that or be able to participate with that. Generally speaking, most persons are paying privately. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever their income happens to be, there may be a long-term care insurance that may support that. There's also a program put out by the Veterans Administration. There are some constraints to it by the name of aid and attendance that if somebody was an active individual during time of service of a war, they may be potentially eligible at a certain income. Mm-hmm. Um, family support, of course, is becoming more common where an individual's income is not sufficient. Yeah. To, to meet the criteria of assisted living or maybe independent living or family care homes just based on what the, the real fee schedule is. So the typical range for an fo- individual in assisted living can start anywhere from? I think it's realistic to say you're going to begin uh, probably about $3,500 on average, depending on the setting that it is in a true assisted living. And depending on the style of room and layout that you're looking for, I think you could grow to be twelve, thirteen grand. Wow. That's a big range. It's a large range, but once again, as you mentioned earlier, it depends on what somebody's looking for, and somebody is willing to pay sometimes for what they're looking for. Definitely, definitely. So if folks want more information about Carolina Assisted Living, how would they get a hold of you and your communities? You could call us directly, but each of our communities in the state of North Carolina, you can go online at carolinaassistedliving.com, but directly with us, it's 919-569-2101 at Carolina Wake Forest. Well, I really appreciate you being on talking to us a little bit about assisted living communities. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to Mark Foreman. He's the executive director of Carillon Assisted Living of Wake Forest. Again, that uh, website is carillonassistedliving.com. Phone number is 919-569-2101.
one. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claygate from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Nicole, we had a nice conversation with Mark Foreman, the Executive Director of Carillon Assisted Living of Wake Forest. And um, you know, we only had 20 minutes, but I think we've explained everything that there is possible to explain about assisted living. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we've got uh, a second half of the show here, and we need to get more information in. Yeah, yeah. So sort of under the same guise, uh, so to speak, um, I want to talk about a sort of a different level of care, but it is actually technically regulated under the same bo- governing mm-hmm. body. This is, uh, we're talking about a family care home. And with us today, we have Arana Kakar and Sue Oliver with uh, Avondale Family Care Home. And I, I'm really interested in talking about this because family care homes really seem to be on the rise. Um, you're starting to see them pop up left and right in communities everywhere. And I would love, Veronica, for you to explain to us exactly what a family care home is and how it differs from a traditional assisted living community. Okay. Um, a family care home um, is a a residential home. It's in most family care homes are in residential communities and um, state regulations, no more than six residents per location. And they are staffed by med techs, CNAs, PCAs. Um, some family care home settings have an RN on staff, same as nursing homes and assistant livings. The significance of family care homes is we provide, um, it's an intimate setting and we provide one-on-one care because there's only six residents um, per location, we're able to provide that individualized care. We can take into consideration preferences. We um, include the family members in creating those care plans so, so that we can um, meet that need. We are very structured, but we're flexible. That sounds great. So there is. So it sounds like it's a much smaller environment. Um, and are these homes typically located based off of what I've been told within neighborhoods? Yes. Um, out of curiosity, is that you sometimes have issues with bringing a family care home into a neighborhood? Absolutely. <laughs> um, HOA. Sometimes some communities have. Um, they are a part of a community. It has an HOA in place, and sometimes they give you pushback because they don't have an understanding of um, what a family care home is. Um, they have a misconception that it is a halfway house, uh-huh. or they have a concern of um, depreciation value there the neighbors or bringing in more traffic into the neighborhood absolutely I would say that is major and um, what we do is we share with them we invite them to come in we have open house we want them to be a part of what we what we do Um, it's a community you know it takes a community and so yeah that's how we address that. So you talked a little bit about the type of staff. So it sounds very similar to assisted living communities where you bring in various different types of staff to provide care. Um, my understanding is that typically family care homes have staff that are sort of cross-lane, 
cross-trained. So you have, you know, people that know how to do the housekeeping and the physical care and the cooking, for example. Is that true? You hit on all the points. So, <laughs> um, so but our staff is, they have to have the same qualifications okay. that an assisted living does. They have to be a CNA, a PCA, and med techs. Um, but as you said, they also are cooking the meals mm-hmm. and cleaning. That's so true. so talk to me a little bit about what makes you so passionate about working with an, a family care home, Sue. Well, um, I've worked in larger settings mm-hmm. also, and um, I really like that we are able to, um, if, a, if a resident likes to get up at 10 o'clock in the morning, they can get up at 10 o'clock in the morning and have breakfast. Um, so we can meet the needs where they're at. So, um, and you get to know the residents really well, what they like, what they don't like. You get to know the families really well because a lot of our families are there quite often. So it's a very much more intimate setting than in a larger facility. That's one of the things I like. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen actually some of the larger, uh, you know, assisted living communities sort of getting into that sort of like that pod or the household Mm -hmm. concept where they try to have folks feel a lot more intimate within the mm-hmm. larger community. So you definitely see, you know, even the larger assisted livings are trying to create some more of that intimacy for sure, which is something I definitely appreciate. Um, so talk to me a little bit about sort of how you manage the day-to-day activities. I mean, if staff are all cross-trained and, you know, how, how does all that work? Well, we have an activity director and then we have two activity assistants and um, so they help with all the activities. The activities assistants go to each home every day, but that's not just what we have because the staff also engages the residents in activities. Yes, our goal is to create a therapeutic environment. We mm-hmm. have an understanding that it's, um, when people think of activities, they generally think of crafts mm-hmm. and coloring. Bingo. And, right, right, <laughs> right, right. But it's much more than that. Again, Sue used the word engagement. Our goal is to engage them. It can be a hand massage. It can be music. It can be um, stories. We have a resident, um, a few months ago, I sat down with her in a magazine. She is nonverbal, and I sat down with the magazine, and I knew her favorite color was green. Mm-hmm. So I went through the magazine and identified everything that was green, and her disposition changed. She smiled. It, it, those are the ty- those are the things we do. Mm-hmm. It's those um, what some may consider insignificant, but it's significant. You know, to that resident. So I'm kind of curious. Um, I would imagine that, you know, since you're creating such a very close and intimate environment among a very small staff and a very small group of residents, when you experience loss within that home, that must be really challenging for everybody. And so I'm just wondering how you handle that because it's truly like losing a member of your family. Absolutely, it is. Um, we spend, again, it's a family like environment. Um, the staff is an extension. You know, they are part of that family. And so when we try to prepare, we spend time on actually transitions assist us with that. They provide us um, with some um, grief counseling. Yes, grief Mm -hmm. counseling. Um, We, at the time of loss, when we have a resident that passed, then we take time and we talk to the staff and we help them process those feelings because we experience it as well. So um, one of the other things that I really appreciate about family care homes, similar to assisted livings, is you, you often find that there is a lot of specialization. So, you know, some family care homes are women only, some are men only, some are men and women, some are dementia specific, and so on and so forth. How do the Avondale homes operate? 
Um, well, we have all different types of residents, okay. but I'm going to tell you, most of our residents have some form of dementia. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm not going to say we specialize mm-hmm. in that, but we do get residents that have um, dementia. And most of our population is older. Like we have 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of that um, age of residents. Um, we take into consideration doing assessment, um, the the diagnoses, mm-hmm. as well as the um, the resident the location that may have an available bed. So during assessment, we consider the need, we consider personality, we consider, again, diagnoses, and then we look at, again, the bed that's available and see if they're a good placement. I was going to say, because it's such a small, intimate environment, bringing somebody in who might have a personality that doesn't jive with everybody else could be particularly tricky. Absolutely. It could be a reality show. There should be a reality show about family care homes. (laughs) I'm sure that would be quite interesting. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So we try to balance... We try to have a balance at each location, but there are some locations that the care need is greater, a higher acuity than others. Um, There are some locations that have a more oriented resident, and so whenever we place, we take that into consideration. We're talking family care homes, and to do that, we have Veronica Carr and Sue Oliver in here with us. They're from Avondale Family Care Home, and we're going to continue the conversation right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykitt, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. I want to remind you, you can find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. You can also find out information on the rescheduled Harnett County Caregiver Summit at caregiversummit.org, caregiversummit.org. You can also still register for the Raleigh event coming up here at the end of October. October. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, special guests in the studio this evening. We've got Veronica Carr and Sue Oliver, and they are with Avondale Family Care Home. And Nicole, this is a, a fascinating concept, sort of in the realm of assisted living, but we're learning how uh, these are they differentiate themselves yeah. a little bit different. One of these things is not like the other. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about Sesame Street now. Oh my, gave them a little commercial. It, well, it, Don't think they need it. PBS, we love you. <laughs> it always helps me to put things in the frame of Sesame Street. Exactly. It's more my you know, level. You know, someday I'm going to be out of that role in my life. <laughs> and I just, then it'll be grandkids, so maybe I'll never be out of that role. I'm not sure. But um, one of the things I wanted to touch on for sure was, you know, yes, these family care homes are extremely intimate. Um, however, there are some limitations. And, um, you know, and particularly just like you're, if you're living in your own independent home and you have a loved one with a cognitive impairment and they start to wander, I would imagine that that would still pose a challenge for family care homes as well. Mm-hmm. So I will do an assessment on everybody that comes to one of our homes. Mm-hmm. And if I would see that that is, because people pace just because that relieves anxiety and if that's the way they operate, right. it would be difficult to take somebody like that in one of our homes. Yeah. Um, well, that Agitates everybody, gets it everybody. agitates everybody. It's small. Mm-hmm. The, the the bedrooms are all right off the living areas, so it's difficult for someone like that because they would go into someone else's room. Right, and that would upset. So that would be one limitation mm-hmm. um, that we might have. Um, and the other one, maybe uh, we don't aggressive residents. If mm-hmm. we see that someone's aggressive, that would be a limitation. On yeah, somebody that I may not definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. So what we would do if we um, if we are assessing someone that has those behaviors or um, what we would do is first try to identify the cause. 
And then mm-hmm. after identifying that root cause and see if there's something we can put in right. place, right? It could be medication management. It can be redirection. Mm-hmm. It can be considering those things. And then if we are able to put those things in place, um, then there's a possibility that we may be able to assist them. But yeah. mm-hmm. absolutely, that is a part yeah. of the assessment. It can be very episodic. It could be very triggered by something. Absolutely. It could be boredom. It could, it could be so many different yeah. things. And sometimes these phases just are very short-lived absolutely. as well. So definitely kind of walking with them to see. But you also don't want to put yourself or others at risk as well. So I certainly appreciate that. I think another myth about family care homes, and again, this may be true for some, because again, there is some of that specialization, but a lot of people believe that you can't age in place and it's more for your quote frail elder who is sort of walking and talking fine but as soon as you need some physical care incontinence issues that sort of thing you need to kind of move on and move out is that the case no not at all um, we have we can take non-ambulatory residents um, we can have home health come uh, we have several residents that are on hospice that are at end of life and our staff are trained from beginning to end of life. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we can take um, any of those types of residents. So that's definitely definitely aging in places, at least works for your oh, absolutely. family care homes, absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I just love the name family care home. It does sound very... Um, just intimate. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely great. So let's talk a little bit about, and we didn't get a chance to touch on this when we were um, talking with Mark, but uh, both family care homes and assisted livings are inspected by the state. Yes. And, you know, what does that mean? Um, they come in, so we have the, um, the county level, county monitors um, for Wake County. They come in um, quarterly and, and, more often if, if necessary, you know, mm-hmm. but on average about every three months they come in and they um, they provide um, support. They also, they inspect. They make sure that we're meeting the state regs, regulations. We're abiding by the, um, the regulations and statutes, the rules and statutes that North Carolina has imposed on family care homes to make sure we're providing a safe um, environment that meet the needs of those residents. Okay. And then we have the um, state auditors. They come in on average annually um, to, again, to inspect. They are another um, set of beings that come in to make sure that we're following the rules. Mm-hmm. So I know that uh, folks are looking to um, interview different family care homes that you are regularly inspected through a four-star rating program through the state. So after you have that annual inspection, this isn't the quarterly inspection, but that annual inspection, yes. Every family care home or assisted living community is actually given a rating by the state, correct? Correct. And where can folks find that information? www.dhhs.gov. And it's more than just these inspections. And these inspections are a snapshot of a small amount of time. And so similar to my question to Mark, you know, if you were looking to evaluate one family care home against another, what are some of the things that folks should look for when they're taking a tour? Um, The first thing they would need to identify is what's important to them, that need, that family member, loved one's need. And then after identifying that, um, whenever you identify the locations, um, you can utilize websites, you can utilize um, resources, um, senior guides, um, guiding light website, they, they give, um, they list family care homes as well. But once you identify the family care homes um, for consideration, when you go in, be attentive to the interaction between the staff and the residents that's very important are they attentive um the smells as well the um the what's going on in the background um 
And also when deciding on a family care home, um, it's very important to share to share your expectations in the beginning mm-hmm. and then have that location to um, it's, the honest, honesty is important because that way, if it's laid out in the beginning, you know what to expect. And later on, that will prevent um, confusion. Um, we've had some families to come in and and they have and we sit down with them and we go over, you know, well, your need. What is your need? And this is what we can offer. And later on, you know, the um, there's a request for something that's outside of the scope of that family care home. So it's just very, very important to be upfront and to be a forth, as forthcoming as possible. Share all the information mm-hmm. so that will um, support a better placement. So I think that people listening may assume, you know, a very small and intimate environment would mean a whole lot more cost. So talk to us a little bit about how that works. Okay, so our um, for Avondale Assistant Living, the range is um, six thousand to eighty five hundred, and what determines that rate? We um, the assessment. So when we assess, we determine the need, and then it's an all inclusive rate. But um, so meaning whatever rate is quoted to you in the beginning, it includes your medication administration, it includes your care, um, and then we also have locations. Um, the Carry and Apex locations, the rate may be a bit higher, um, but that base rate is based on that assessment. Um, and there are times, the only time that rate for Avondale may change is if, um, let's say, a resident move in and they're ambulatory or they're independent or whatever that is. And let's say if another, if it's um, if a sitter is needed. Right, right. So if you're bringing an add-on services right. from the outside. So if you yeah. needed to hire a private agency because they're going through a spell of a particular behavior Absolutely. that you can't manage, yeah. but you still want to maintain the fact that they can live there, then obviously that wouldn't be an additional out-of-pocket cost. Similar to bringing a podiatrist or getting your hair done or something. Yeah. So those are services outside of what you provide within yes. your organization. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So what makes you passionate about what you do? Um, actually, I have a personal story. I'm, I was um, a government contractor and I traveled a lot and my mother needed these services. And I tried, um, she lived with me for a a bit of time and it just wasn't good for her Mm -hmm. to travel. We're military and traveling from location to location. So um, I was told about family care homes. I'm like, hmm, that may be my answer. And so I actually um, identified a family care home here in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, where where my brother was then a resident. And, um, and she moved in and it was the best thing my family could have. could have done. It was the best thing for my mother, mm-hmm. and she, um, she. It was actually Avondale. Oh. That's how I became associated with Avondale. Was oh, because cool. whenever I decided um, to change my career fields, I wanted to do something more meaningful. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, long story made short. Um, after I, because of my experience with my mother and with Avondale, I'm like, oh my God, this is and this is wonderful. Families <laughs> need this, you know. So. Um, and I love what I do. Yeah. You, know, you know, Jason, I think one of the things that we are truly blessed with in this area is the huge number of resources. And I know if you try to get out into the more rural areas, the resource options are, are much fewer. But I think um, this spot in Raleigh, North Carolina, offers so many different opportunities for families to find what the best fit is. And so that may be 
you know, private duty in-home care to maintain residence in your own home. It may be a smaller, more intimate sort of group home type environment of a family care home. It may be moving to a community. If you, you know, uh, like a Caroline, for example, if your loved one really loves, you know, getting together with other residents is a little bit more of an extrovert, you know, that might be the perfect setting. And so I think, you know, we are definitely afforded many opportunities here to meet the needs of our aging adults. Yeah, we're certainly lucky to have so many options here. But again, it's it's all about that preparation and, and knowing what's available to you because, you know, so many people don't plan ahead and, and think about these things ahead of time so that when you're in a crisis, uh, you're basically just trying to find a place within the next day or 24 well, hours. and the bottom line is, is this is all going to cost money out of your pocket. Right. So that, I think, comes to a great surprise to people. It, it is a big surprise, and uh, I, I couldn't be happier with uh, our guests this evening. I want to thank Veronica Carr and Sue Oliver with Avondale Family Care Home and also Mark Foreman with Carillon Assisted Living of Wake Forest. If you missed any part of this episode, you can find it on demand at WPTF.com. Also want to remind you before we head out of here about the rescheduled Harnett County Caregiver Summit. You can go to Caregiver summit.org to find all the information there to register you can also register for the raleigh caregiver summit at the end of the month again caregiversummit.org we got to get out of here thank you so much for listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care on news radio 680 wptf have a great night you've been listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you on news radio 680 wptf For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.